Good morning, noon, everyone, and welcome back to Laura and Told. <laughs> welcome back to Laura and Told. Good morning, noon. I love that. <laughs> I said it once. In, I okay. <laughs> this is at staying. I'm so sorry. That's what it is. <laughs> That's funny. At staying. <laughs> I know, but I want to tell you where it comes from. Okay. <laughs> so many time zones oh sure sure sure, sure, sure i sure, got sure. up in the morning uh i one day i just said morning or noon everyone <laughs> it's stuck i like it it's in good morning noon everyone <laughs> i don't know what time you're listening to this podcast but i can tell you i am sleep deprived right now my name is talison <laughs> my name is lexi it's Friday at the end of a long week for me, and it's Friday at the end of a long night for Talos. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good, good morning, noon. Welcome back. I was at the My Chemical Romance concert last night, so I have had no sleep and a lot of energy drink. Lexi, would you like to learn about folk heroes? Yes. Uh, yes. I. Yes. Folk heroes are a type of, they're an archetype Mm -hmm. for a character, and they are present in pretty much every form of storytelling. More often, you don't see folk heroes with religious figures. However, many religious figures have been brought up to folk hero status. Folk hero stories can involve gods, but are not limited to religious texts, and they're more often than not, not religious. You do have a lot of prominent, well-known that are religious figures. You have Moses, you have David and David and Goliath. Oh, sure. Jesus himself is considered a folk hero because of the way folk heroes are defined, which I'll get to in a moment. But so many are not. They're often either tales of real people that have been become larger than life. That's interesting. I've not considered religious texts to include folk hero narratives, but they mm-hmm. they for sure do. And like they do mo- outside of just Christianity and Judaism as well. But I just never put those. I never put two and two together, and that's a thing I spent a lot of time studying. Yeah, I, I get that. So, like, what is a folk hero? One definition I found said a, it's a person who is greatly admired by many people of a particular kind or in a particular place. So you think of people who are heroes of their town. It's not necessarily always someone who's immediately recognized by the masses as a hero. However, they can move on to be recognized as by a much larger audience as a hero. People like Joan of Arc kind of fit that. You know, mm-hmm. she was originally in her town. Or Robin Hood originally was a small area and then kind of became a bigger thing. Yeah. They can have many backgrounds themselves. Like, I think in games, we kind of think of folk hero as its own background. But the folk heroes can have different backgrounds. I mean, it's quite literally... If we look at like 5e, it's quite literally its own it is. defined yes. background called yes. folk hero. That's what it's called. We'll talk about that. I know. <laughs> I figured. But beyond that, they can also have like other backgrounds. So you have outlaws like Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. You have warriors. Okay. We'll talk about a warrior a little later. You have tricksters like Anansi from African folklore. Okay. You have rulers like King Arthur who can be folk heroes. 
fairy tale characters. They can have pretty much any any background or come from any kind of storytelling. Okay. An aspect of them is that they're in constant dialogue with current culture. So you can easily point to characters from all points in time and identify them as folk heroes. I'm going to give a bunch of examples, not just across the globe, but across time, even in like current media, that we can see that are folk heroes and fit that character type. They're commonly found in oral traditions like story songs and poems and transitioned as well into literature as the written word became more accessible. It's not exclusively found in these mediums. You know, you can see them nowadays. We have movies and TV and video games and folk heroes still pop up. Although you don't always realize that a character is a folk hero until you're assessing them through the lens of figuring out who folk heroes are. Sure. So I will say TV Tropes is a great resource for this kind of research. Um, It made me go down a huge rabbit hole of all of this stuff. They define a folk hero as a type of hero, real or mythological, who has become the stuff of legend through generations of retellings. So again, that's where you can see actual real people who have lived, like Cleopatra, Mark Antony. Um, They're not necessarily folk heroes, but you see their stories get bigger and bigger and more prominent as things goes on. Real people as close in time as like Harriet Tubman, you hear all her stories. She's become a folk hero in American folk traditions, even though her story is a very, a very real one. We do have, you know, you see all the children's stories that adapt and kind of, I don't want to say exaggerate, but you know what I mean? Like they adapt it so children can understand. Yeah. And I also think, I mean, this is something we touched on in our first episode, but just because something is classified as folk or as folklore or as their narrative or life experiences or stories embodying a certain in this case narrative archetype if you will I know that's not the right term but I'm using it that doesn't mean that it's not true exactly exactly like you said like real lived human experiences over time throughout history can become a form and do become a form of folklore and mythology and then also like in the ways in which they embody other it's like similar stuff That did not make sense. Yeah, like you could, one that I was thinking about a lot this week that's interesting with this kind of stuff in queer culture is Oscar Wilde. Mm, Yeah. Could easily be considered a folk hero of the queer community. Yeah, that makes sense. Because of the actions he took, because of how he was not going to not be himself, because of how he was vilified for it. Mm -hmm. And he's still held in such high regard and his stories are told with such reverence, you know. So they can come from literally anywhere, which is really cool. That's interesting that it can be, that it's a, a descriptor a term a category that can describe both fictional characters but then also like real live people and their stories and the stories of theirs that we still tell that's kind of cool Often folk heroes are known for some kind of great deed that kind of earns their hero status among the people that they live with. Mm-hmm. See like towns saved from a disaster, a tyrant, a dragon in some stories. They might help someone super important. They might, I don't know, just anything that just a big, a big event in their community. Because the interesting thing, if we think about these, is like a lot of them are outlaws. Like they're arguably not great people. Mm. You've got people who are firmly considered outlaws, like Robin mm-hmm. Hood, who are still considered heroes in their stories. You've got tricksters like Anansi from African folklore. Because, like, Anansi is a trickster god, and he's always the hero of his own story, but he's not necessarily always the hero of everyone else's in the story's mm. story. 
you know. Yeah. He does plenty of things that are incredible and good and revered. Sometimes he's the hero and he's playing a trick on someone and it's real funny and it's real good and he teaches them a lesson, but he's still the hero. Which I kind of like because like so many of these character types pigeonhole people. Mm, yeah. You know, like you have to be, like when someone says a paladin, you immediately have certain thoughts that come into your head. Yeah, and like, yes, you can play a paladin who doesn't fit those thoughts. We all know you Oath of Redemption paladin people, which includes Taliesin. Hey, I did not Oath of Redemption. Did you not? No. I don't know your subclass. (laughs) (laughs) We've only been playing two years. (laughs) It's because I like rarely ever use the thing. I'm Oath of the Watchers. Oh shit. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Your God's the Watcher, Oath of the Watchers. Yeah, okay. Why don't I think it was Oath of Redemption at some point? Anyways. Yeah, so, you know, you get that that picture in your head. Or when someone says a rogue, Mm -hmm. when someone says a noble or a scholar, but if someone says a folk hero, yes, everyone from different cultures will have vague ideas because of the ones that are specific to their culture. But every culture is so different that not everyone's going to have the same reference point of a folk hero. And that's kind of something I think is pretty great. Yeah. I do have a question that is maybe more of a more of a theoretical question. So when we talk about folklores, and one of the things you said was that in order to be considered a folk hero as like a character that you're, or as a story, that it needs to be something that's repeated sort of en masse, either throughout in large numbers of people or throughout a long period of... And so if that's the case, if we have things like adventurers that are not, I am not as an outside person in the real human world necessarily, like our adventurers and our game, they're not being talked about by large communities and that information is not being spread wide in like the general world, but like it is happening within the world that the story is in. Yeah. So like, does that qualify for defining it as a folk hero because it's happening in the tale, not necessarily happening in life? Yeah, I had that a little farther down. I'm so sorry. No, 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 I'm glad you brought it up. I'm glad you brought it up because that's the like, that's so Raven zoom into the pupil moment of mm-hmm. like, if you have a folk hero background in Dungeons and Dragons and then join an adventuring group and they all become folk heroes for doing the good things that they do, you have folk heroception. Ooh. Uh, uh, all right. Folk heroception. <laughs> sure, we can go with it. And also, if you have a folk hero background, your group is probably going to be more likely to become folk heroes because people already know who you are mm. and they go, that person did that good thing. We should trust these people and let them help us. And then it just spirals. It's pretty cool. It's interesting that like you could have a story in which a character is a folk hero, but that story isn't uh, how do I put this into words as far as like the dissemination and sharing of and spreading and like retelling of, of these stories go in order to be considered a folk hero that part doesn't have to happen in the real world that part can happen in the world in which the mm-hmm. character exists mm-hmm. okay cool when we get into modern characters that are folk heroes some of the media is video games and literature where they might not necessarily be folk heroes to us but in their own world they are yeah but it's, it's an interesting descriptor that can happen both with fictional and non-fiction peoples and characters within the way that we as societies and cultures react to those narratives or histories but it can also happen and still be just as valid in solely fictional worlds Mm -hmm. which is an interesting it's interesting like that's how it can be defined it is it's really cool it's really cool and i think that's part of what makes it so interesting because it spans across so many types of folklore and so many instances of storytelling because it, it, it truly becomes one of those stare into the void and the void stares back kind of moments when you really start thinking about like this character type because it's like you know you have 
I'm just gonna say it. Commander Shepard is a folk hero. Oh, 100% a folk hero. Look at them. Are they a folk hero to the world out here? No. No. However, in the fandom, are they a folk hero? Yeah, probably. Yeah. And also, in this alternate timeline of Earth where Turians and Asari and Salarians exist, they are doubly a folk hero, dependent on your background. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, there's several instances, because there's the Skillion Blitz, and then there's your background, and then there's everything that happens over the course of Mass Effect. Yeah. But then also, if you look at the way that the fandom interacts with Shepard and the Shepard character. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's it very much has, in this smaller bubble, they, I say they because Shepard can be any gender. In the games currently, it's only yeah. binary male and female, but Shepard is whatever you want them to be. Bioware, get on that. Bioware, give us more races to play. Thank you. Hey, Bioware, <laughs> stop making shit like Anthem, thanks. I heard Anthem is a lovely game, but if I want to roleplay, I want to romance people. And Bioware makes such good romance. So it's so good. And so for Bioware to make a game and be like, there's absolutely no romance options, I'm like, I'm absolutely not buying that game. I'd bet money we're getting romance in the new Dragon Age, and I'd bet money we're getting romance in the new Mass Effect, so I can wait for that. Oh, 100%. 100%. Anyways. Okay, we'll talk more about, we'll talk more about Shepard later. Okay. <laughs> Okay, so examples of folk heroes that exist in our real world from actual cultures and folk across the globe. We've briefly discussed David and Goliath, where David is the folk hero who saves his people from Goliath, the giant. You have Moses, who saves his people and frees them from slavery in Egypt. Jesus is a folk hero. He was a prophet and he performed miracles that saved a lot of people. Yeah, it follows the same archetype as the other two. Yep, exactly. I was trying to find some that I didn't know because a lot of the ones I looked up, a lot of people who would listen to this podcast probably already know yeah like Kwa Mulan like Joan of Arc a lot of people know those ones already so I wanted to find ones that were new maybe to more people so okay so one of the ones that I looked up and I heard this story and I need to know more I'm gonna take a deep dive but I when I was looking at the information I was like you need to pull back and stop because otherwise you're gonna go down a little rabbit hole right now and I apologize to any listeners who speak Arabic because I do not I practice the pronunciation and if it is off I apologize please correct me please teach me how to say it but also don't feel like you have to educate a white person. No. So we have Antara Ibn Shaddad. So Antara was born into a slave class in his tribe. His father was one of the chiefs of the tribe, but his mother was a slave at the time of his birth. I believe she remained a slave. So he was considered part of the slave class as well. He learned to write poetry, which is very beautiful to listen to, especially in the original Arabic. It does translate beautifully into English, but the original Arabic is just gorgeous to listen to. And he also became a powerful warrior who saved his tribe on numerous occasions. One of the occasions his father kind of implied uh, he's just a slave, he's not going to be able to do anything. And he went and ended up saving his people. He is revered for these actions. You know, he's still really well revered in Arabic culture because of his poetry and because of the deeds he did. There's also Kintaro from Japanese folklore, who is a toddler who has super strength, is friends with a lot of forest animals. He grew up in the forest with his mom, kind of debated whether his mom raised him in the forest or left him in the forest with another caretaker. But he has super strength, and there's a lot of children's folktales of him wrestling bears and uprooting trees. Oh, I love, I love this. Um, and doing fun toddler shenanigans, and I love it, and helping people, and I love it. I love this. I mean, in real life, a toddler with super strength sounds... Horrifying. Like a nightmare for parents, but in folklore mythology... Incredible. Fascinating. We love it. Such a fun narrative concept to like explore and play with and tell informative and educational and entertaining stories with. Yeah, and then 
In addition to Antara and Kintaro, we have Nikali. Nikali was another one I found and was very intrigued by. He was a mosquito man who journeyed to the underworld, cross a bridge the width of a single hair in search of a wife. In his story, he relays to the people in his community that if you go across the bridge and you have done good deeds, you make it across fine. But if you don't, you fall into a cooking pot of a cicla bird and people who have been bad people fall into the pot and it's kind of implied that it's like you know it's that hell space from what I could read and what I could find it's kind of implied that that's the like uncomfortable space for people who did terrible things and the people who have done good things in their life get to cross that bridge so he made it across the bridge there are a ton of other incredible folk hero stories and I literally had to say to myself Talison stop it you have to <laughs> you have too much to talk about in this episode you need to dial it back mm, because I was right. getting real excited <laughs> So how do these apply to tabletop games? As we've discussed, Dungeons and Dragons has an actual background that is folk hero. The description for it says you come from a humble social rank, but you are destined for so much more. Already the people of your home village regard you as their champion, and your destiny calls you to stand against the tyrants and monsters that threaten the common folk everywhere. You get proficiencies for it. You get animal. You, you just get handling. You can handle things real well. Handle things. <laughs> you know, I think that truly is an OP skill. It is. Being able to handle things, both in the physical and the metaphysical. Yeah. I don't always have both of those things together in my own life. I can't handle shit. <laughs> Accurate. For me and you sometimes. For both of us. For everyone. So you do get bonuses for every background in Dungeons and Dragons has kind of boons. Mm -hmm. So you have skill proficiencies that you get, animal handling and survival. You have tool proficiencies. Um, you get to choose a type of artisan tool. And you also get vehicle proficiencies, specifically land vehicles, which I thought was interesting because you don't see a lot of, I mean... I guess once you get to higher levels, you see vehicles kind of come into play with wagons and things like that. But a lot of the time, characters in D&D are traveling on foot. Does a horse technically count as a land vehicle in Dungeons and Dragons? That is an excellent question. Because I think it might, and that's just dumb. It does. Oh, hell yeah. It does. <laughs> does. Okay, Wizards of the Coast, you've done a lot of stuff, and this is by and far the least of the errors you have made. <laughs> The smallest of errors you have made. Here's the thing. They're classified as a mount, not like a land vehicle. Oh, okay, okay, So it's okay, like not okay, quite so the same. Not, not quite vehicle. the same. I mean, they oh, are right. a land vehicle, but so is a cow. Oh, all right. I mean, yeah, I guess if it's, yeah, sure. You know, you also get a set of artisan's tools. One would hope you pick the one that you are proficient in that you chose. <laughs> But you do not have to. Not, not a requirement. Many people fail up with things like tinkerer's tools, etc. A shovel, an iron pot, a set of common clothes, and a pouch containing 10 gold pieces. So you don't have, like, no money, but you don't have, like, a ton of money. That's more money than a significant amount of backgrounds get. It is. So it kind of feels like, to me at least, reading that, it kind of feels like your community has set you up to go forth and help more people, which is really nice. I looked at Monster of the Week. They don't have backgrounds in the same way that Dungeons & Dragons does. Right. They have playbooks mm -hmm. but a lot of them could be kind of considered horror versions 
of folk heroes. <laughs> you have the chosen, who has a special destiny. The most easy example in media you can point to is Buffy from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes. Absolutely yeah. a folk hero. Um, that's yeah. what the chosen is based off of. You have the divine, who has a mission from God. It absolutely can be a bad kill everyone mission. Sure. But it has the potential to be a folk hero story with that. You also have the spooky, which I love <laughs> just the name of that playbook, who has freaky powers. Freaky powers. Um, Hell yeah. <laughs> also kind of sets them up to potentially be a folk hero. I love the thing that I love about TTRPGs is that truly sort of anything goes so long as you're not being a dick. I really wanted to just say anything goes, but I had to add in the caveat. In that like I could create a character who has a folk hero background, but has not picked those playbooks. Like I'm not playing in that playbook. I didn't pick that background. I didn't mm -hmm. statistically take that as a as a background, but it could still be a thing that I am as a character, which is really fun. Exactly. Yeah, it's this cycle of folk heroes have their own background, but it's a background in a game. Yeah. And then they become folk heroes mm -hmm. in other communities. It's that's why I'm saying it's turtles all the way down. Yeah. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then even even beyond that, like what your o the origins of a character started as, the way in which it's played throughout a game, specifically the like more common adventurer's narrative is like gonna compute pretty easily over to match up with a lot of that folk, traditional folk hero descriptor narrative shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I also looked at Wanderhome. Have you ever seen Wanderhome? I've never heard of this. It's such a cozy little game. It's wonderful. I mean, it sounds up my alley by name alone. You play little critters. <gasps> Lexi, we need to have a one shot of Wander Home at some point. You play little oh, critters. Oh, yeah. All little critters? All little critters. I could play an otter? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I had a raccoon in a Wander Home server. A raccoon? Just a little, just a little guy with his little grabby hand. She, yeah, she was so cute. She was very clumsy. And she took care of the bumbles, which are bumblebees. And they have them, they have them in herds like sheep. Oh. And she ended up working in the trinket shop because her bumble herd was killed in a storm. And she felt guilty and she didn't feel like she could be responsible for more bumbles. Ah. So she had her main bumble who always stayed with her and like snuggled up to her. And okay. she worked in the trinket shop with there was a dog oh what are those silky dogs the long silky dogs no. there's someone on tiktok who's like babushka what do you have to say about this i don't know a silky dog that was the person who was running the trinket shop so wander home has they don't call them playbooks but they're kind of like the playbook approach to character creation mm -hmm. so they have a, the veteran who is a retired hero who has vowed not to draw their sword again and it lets players explore life after being the hero of a community oh that's such a fun exploration right you're the hero who has retired it's such a wonderful game i need to play like an actual <laughs> like sit down and play game so that brings us to now that we've looked at how folk heroes function in our tabletop games we we get to talk about video games now hell yeah and other media because it's not just video games but well right <laughs> video right, games right. first <laughs> video games first sure why not so we briefly started to discuss commander shepherd mm -hmm. for those who are not familiar with the mass effect series commander shepherd is the player character for the mass effect series there are two sections of their past that you get to choose before the game starts mm -hmm. you have how they grew up and then there is a folk quite literally a folk hero moment you have to choose yeah you can be a sole survivor in the game it's called your service history and psych profile right because the way it works in the first game 
is you're filling out the like military folder about Shep. And that's where you make your character creation. That's where you pick like what class you are and then all this background stuff. It's sort of framed that way that you're like filling out government's profile on you. The whole open opening part is that your dossier was corrupted and you have to correct the information. So you choose whether they grow up as a spacer, colonist, or earthborn. And those give you very specific things that happened in your adolescence. And then your service history, which is sole survivor, war hero, or ruthless. Sole survivor, your entire team was killed uh, in an incident with a thresher moth. Just like a big, bad, scary monster, if you do not know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a big worm. Yes. In the war hero profile, you risk your life to save your fellow soldiers and defeat the enemy. And then in Ruthless, Ruthless is like... You're going to go full Renegade and it's going to be evil. Yeah, you're you're planning to play Matt Renegade. Your reputation perceives you as someone who is doesn't care what the cost is. You're going to get the mission done. And that can be taken in a good way or a bad way. And the way it's written, it's implied, it's a bad way. <laughs> so you have like these options. But sh regardless of what you choose, Shepard themselves becomes a folk hero. They are, at the beginning of the game, they are an officer who is being nominated to a special kind of special forces, special reconnaissance and tactics, which is the Spectre program. They then are not believed about a lot of the events that are happening for several games. Because mm -hmm. we gotta annoy the, we gotta annoy yep. the player. You gotta annoy the player. And if everyone believed you, it'd fix all the problems and there wouldn't be as much of exactly. a Exactly. So, um, I get And it. then has to, regardless of the support they receive, has to work to save the galaxy, after which they are... I mean, I would fucking hope so after the decisions you make at the end of three. <laughs> it's big, world-changing, regardless of what yeah. choices you make. All of the options are world-altering, as is common in a lot of, like, similar-type RPGs. I think what's really telling for Commander Shepard as a folk hero is there's a conversation you can have with James Vega in 3 in the bar in Purgatory, I think, is the, the new bar in 3. They change the bar um, every where, single game, so... Yeah, but they keep getting blown up. What can you do? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you can have this conversation with James where he points to a bunch of soldiers in the background um, mm, and says, like you should buy them drinks. Yeah. And... Essentially, the conversation boils down to Shepard saying, I'm a soldier just like them. I'm not some crazy, you know, like, I don't know why they would look up to me. And he's like, you're quite literally superhuman to them. They yeah. don't know that you're just a soldier like them. If you buy them a drink, it'll mean the world to them. Mm -hmm. um, and you can choose to not buy them the drink or buy them the drink. And if you buy them the drink, they get really excited because they're seeing their hero. It's kind of implied that these people might have joined the military because of Shepard's mm -hmm. actions in the first game of Mass Effect. I mean, we see quite pointedly that, like, throughout the story, there are characters who make choices because of the choices that Shepard made, regardless of what choices you as a player character, like, whether good or bad, mm -hmm. there are NPCs. Look at Conrad Berter. Know, like Conrad. There are NPCs that make choices <laughs> based on, inspired by, influenced by the choices that, that Shepard makes. Very, very much, like, fits that folk hero vibe. Dear listeners, if you don't know who Conrad Werner is, I'm not going to spoil it for you. You can look it up, but that's a big... It's not a big spoiler. It's just, it just takes the fun out of it. Look at Yeah, I'm not going to explain it because um, you get to be <laughs> as rightfully annoyed or thrilled as I was. I'm not going to say which I was, but you might be able to top of my tone and we're going to leave it at that. I am nice to Conrad, but I also always shoot him in the foot. I didn't shoot him in the foot and I immediately regretted it. And that's what it is. So another one that... I will admit, I've been playing these games for years, and I was like, oh my god, how did I not see that? 
every single Dragon Age game. Yeah, of course. The protagonist is a folk hero. Yeah, I of didn't course. I look at it this way. You have the warden. <laughs> it's What's even better is they each have a title. You know, you have the warden, you have the herald slash the inquisitor, mm-hmm. and you have the champion of Kirkwall. And they're reputations precede themselves Mm -hmm. as you go through the three games you hear tons about the warden from outside sources after their story is done you hear constantly about hawk from varick i mean we quite literally meet them they show up yeah you literally meet them so it's it's really cool because these games you are playing in the case of origins you kind of get a folk hero sandwich because you have your origin story some of which are small instances of being a hero Others are sad, but then you get to play through a folk hero's origin story as the game. Like, that's the whole game. And then in further games, you see how they're talked about. Yeah. Your choices are talked about. You know, if you did certain things, people will talk mm-hmm. about it. So it carries through, and you get to see their story grow through the, the games that come after it, which I think is a really interesting instance of folk telling from it like inside a game yeah and how these characters in these worlds interact with their in-game folklore yeah you get to you get to see the ways in which characters and npcs and 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 figures and individuals and societies are talking about people that in like inquisitions for example i you never meet the warden from origins you don't ever get to know them you can find things and read things and hear people talking about them but like they're not a character in the game that is visibly seen. Yep. You don't get to meet them in two either. But you get to meet Hawk. Yeah. You have this moment as the Inquisitor that you're like, oh, fuck, I'm meeting Hawk, you know? Yeah. Like, they have that moment of meeting Shepard, but it's their meeting. This guy that in one game, like w- the previous game, like was you yeah. the player. Yeah. It's cool. One very famous one who started off in literature and has moved into not only video games, but now a Netflix series, Geralt of Rivia is a folk hero. Oh, yeah. Okay. But d- yes. He's one of the ones that has permeated culture a lot in the last decade. And Geralt's not always loved. Geralt has, like, literal shit thrown at him. I mean, doesn't always make good choices in books or games. No. But, like, is still regarded as a folk hero in their own narrative. I th- and I think it's really important to see that. And it's the same things happen in Dragon Age and Mass Effect, where you can make really bad mistakes. You are often mm-hmm. choosing to kill people. You are often choosing to serve as judge, jury, and executioner, especially in, in Inquisition, where you literally sit judgment. Yeah. I get anxious every time I go sit on that throne. I feel real nerves every single time I sit down, and I'm like, I don't want to do it. I'm so scared. And I'm like, that's, I guess, how I should be feeling. Good job, Bioware. I think everyone, I generally exile or jail them so that they don't die. I don't like killing people. The only, I think, scary thing I do, but I, Talison, think it's hilarious, <laughs> is... <laughs> I send, I do the Duchess in a Box tour mission. Mm, okay, and we'll leave it at that. If you know what, if you know what it is, you know what it is, and if you don't know what it is, you get to learn, <laughs> I guess. You get to scare nobles. You get to scare nobles. What fun would it be if you didn't get to scare nobles at least once? Eat the rich. Yeah, eat the rich. From other forms of media, we have Percy Dorolo. Mm-hmm is a folk hero yeah i mean arguably the entirety of vox machina are folk yes heroes. but he specifically has like the and i know this is not what talison chose as his background for percy but his kind of origin story as you would say and return to whitestone for those of you who don't know spoilers for critical role spoilers for legends of vox machina at this point at this point So his family were the rulers of a city called Whitestone. His family was tricked and killed, except for Percy and his sister Cassandra. 
and Percy returned years later and took back Whitestone and saved the people of Whitestone. So the last thing I wanted to touch on is whether or not superheroes count. I was thinking about that because they do cross a lot of the same boxes. Yeah. Not all the time, but significant amount of the time. I personally think it depends on who it's a case-by-case basis kind of thing. Mm. Folk heroes don't tend to be individuals working for corporations, so I wouldn't necessarily say the Avengers as a conglomeration. But like Thor, while he is a god on his own. I mean, I just I just watched Miss Marvel mm-hmm. one, very good. I loved it. Why is it not more popular than it is? Two, a hundred percent. That's a folk hero narrative, without mm-hmm. a doubt. Yeah. Also, I would say not the Justice League as a whole working together, but Batman on his own is, and Wonder Woman on her own is. What do you think it is about the groups working? together that makes that not folk hero because that isn't true in every scenario but it, i i get what you're saying in that it being that is there do you have words for that i think my line is it's the government support mm. once you have government support or once you have that kind of support like the justice league isn't necessarily involved with the government but once you have that big team you have a bunch of people you've hired to help run the thing it does change the power dynamic between the heroic figure and the communities they're representing yeah in a way that makes it a little harder to classify it's like implied hired protection kind of thing even if people aren't and like but then why do why do we feel so strongly that shepherd fits because they are working for government yes they are working for government However, they're constantly defying orders in the interest of doing what's best for the galaxy. That's true. All right. I just figured I'm asking, making sure. No, yeah, are. no, that's for a big part about the Mass Effect series. And I hope people who like the series constantly think about Shepard is a soldier. Garrus is an ex-cop. You know, you've got these things that are places in our societies that do not treat people well. Garrus especially is a folk hero. He has the whole Archangel arc. Yeah. I would not say in one he is, but I would say by the end of three, yeah, probably. Yeah, I think for Shepard, that's what sets them apart for me, is that they're looking at the system saying, you're gonna get literally everyone killed, fuck you, I'm gonna do what I need to do. And that's how, in two, that's how you end up working with Cerberus, for better or for worse, Mm -hmm. is, you know, the elusive man recognizes that you are trying to do things that could save people. This is a very generalization, because I don't want to give spoilers away. Recognizes that you are trying to work towards the benefit of the galaxy, Mm -hmm. as opposed to placating the council. Yeah, and I think that, like, we do see similar themes exist in superhero narratives don't ask me to think of examples i'm not a superhero person i got burnt out by it a i while did too ago. i did too but i do think that we see some of the same themes of defying authority and defying more authoritative points of control and power within society which then maybe has them ally more with the folk hero definition and maybe that's why yeah some of that i do for sure think are folk heroes batman mm-hmm. obviously he's working he works with the police department Ugh. but <laughs> A lot of his actions are done on his own, Mm -hmm. on his terms kind of thing. Even if he's not always making the best decisions, looking at you, Bruce. And then the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay, yeah. Here's my case for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) Okay. You don't usually see them working for big corporations. They're saving people. They're doing good. They live in a sewer system. (laughs) Okay, all right. (laughs) And like Batman, the community's involvement with these characters often has this sense of mystery to them and this sense of untouchableness and not in the way that someone's beyond the law untouchable but like these boys keep fucking skateboarding out of the sewer system where the fuck are they coming from you know what i mean it's that kind of like how do they always know where they're supposed to be how do they always know where to save people how do they keep doing this over and over and saving these people and we don't even know where they came from you know and it's like (laughs) to some degree the same way with batman where you're just like where did you you just fucking 
swooped out of nowhere. Where did he come from? Um, so you have yeah. that bit of like mystery element from them. Whereas like, I just don't, I just, I don't know what it is. I just, Superman is just not a folk hero to me. No. And I think part of the reasons that I wouldn't exactly define Superman as a folk hero is he isn't necessarily like, yes, he is helping his community. If we refer to his community as the cities and people in earth that he helps save, but he very much is a character from an outside location coming in to save mm-hmm. the day for other communities. It isn't someone, it isn't a member of a community saving their own. Exactly. Which I think is something that is repeated again and again in folk hero stories but it is someone from an outside narrative coming in to save another group and if it was shaped differently or shown differently because I feel like we know that he's been in and brought and adopted and was raised here but I think it is always shown as underlying tones and hints of he but he isn't us which makes it not feel as folk hero. that's part of what gets me about the Avengers because mm-hmm well, in the MCU, at least, I am not as well versed in the comics, but in the MCU, they quite literally become part of the government or at least are contract workers for the government. So it's that like, are you really a folk hero? They would probably fall into the category of, so if you were a person who quite literally lived inside the MCU, Mm -hmm. you would probably say they're a folk hero because they are people doing great deeds. It depends on who you are. Yeah, this is, this is making me think more about it. I think if I were a person living in the MCU, I might consider them a folk hero, but I think as someone who does not live in the universe of the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe, I don't think they are. Which, honestly, glad about. Oh, that would be a hell. That's a hellscape. That's a That's hellscape. That's not what I want to live in. <laughs> Absolutely not. But that's an interesting one because, yeah, these people are watching them save them. They're the people from their own world. Whereas I, not of that universe, can go, they're being paid by the government. Like, they're making a ton of money and they're being paid by the government. Yeah, and I think that has something to do with it. Is it someone from within my own community, someone that I can look at and say, you Mm -hmm. look like me, are like me? Or is it someone that's not? And I think folk heroes, the way that I am, we sort of have been defining them, the way that I can sort of wrap my head around it, is that they're someone from within your own community who's doing the saving and i think that's a really like powerful thing like captain america's origin story folk hero story yeah cap later on maybe not so much folk Mm, hero anymore yeah maybe just a superhero and like a superhero very clearly is its own character defining thing so interesting huh that's all i've got for this week you find us on TikTok and Instagram and Twitter at Lauren Toll. We would really appreciate if you left a review anywhere, but especially Apple Podcasts, because that is still the main place that matters. Send us an email if you have any questions, concerns, or stories to tell us. We would love to hear about folk heroes from your community. Lauruntold at gmail.com. And where can we find you, Lexi? You can find me personally on Twitter and on TikTok at Loch Ness Lex. That's Loch Ness the Monster, Lex as in L-E-X. But also, hey, Hey, if you like maybe kind of like what you're hearing and also think you could go without like a singular cup of coffee for a month and like want to come join us over on Patreon, that's an option for you. If you want to learn more about folk heroes, you should check out our Patreon. We've got a Patreon. Lauren told. That's when we're going to post show notes. And bloopers. Which this one had a lot. So many. I said some things that are bad for me and only me. And comical for everyone else. The extended cut of the beginning of this involves a solid 45 seconds of us just wheezing from laughter. So I would highly recommend you check out our Patreon so you can laugh at us, with us, about us. Where can we find you, Talison? You can find me at Archival Raven on Twitter. Yay! Thanks for listening! Bye! I'm hitting stop. Me too.